Hey fighters, what's up? Welcome to Fight or Fight Harder, the podcast hosted by me, Patricia, aka Pinky, where we chat about surviving the fights and challenges that come along with just life and how when life happens, we have only two choices, to fight or fight harder. In this space, you'll hear topics surrounding the F word. No, not that F word, family, faith, and finance. You'll be a part of real authentic conversations regarding everything from health, wealth, and my favorite thing to discuss, black love and relationships. Child, listen, we're gonna laugh, cry, and get through this thing called life together. I hope y'all are ready. If you ain't ready, you better get ready because it's gonna be good. But before you lean in, take a second to like, subscribe, and share so you'll never miss an episode. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at F-O-F-H, the podcast. Now let's get into it. Hey, fighters, I'm back. Did you miss me in my Varnell Hill voice? If you don't know who Varnell Hill is, y'all, just unsubscribe right now. Forget you've ever met me, heard me, whatever. That's a classic for Martin. Anywho. Welcome to Fight or Fight Harder, the podcast. It is me, your host, Patricia, aka Pinky, and I thank you for taking the time out to lean in. It's been a minute, y'all, and I'm here today to share why. Today, it is just me, you, and Jesus. No guests. I wanted to do an episode with me, myself, and I, sharing with you how Fight or Fight Harder came to be sharing with you a very vulnerable part of me. Within this time, we'll be talking about the F word, faith, particularly faith exemplified. We're talking about healing and getting your oomph back. So let's get into it. On December 10th of 2018, my life was forever changed. My world was turned upside down. My life was disrupted and I soon entered into a personal pandemic, pandemic of one. In this personal pandemic, I was thrust into my new normal. One day living my best life, traveling the world, to being unable some days to walk upright from my bedroom to the kitchen, having to wear a mask before it became globally popular in public places because I was immunocompromised. The revealing of family and friends who wore masks for years, not a physical mask, but the mask of pretending, pretending that they were family and a friend. The mask of pretending that they were my ride or die no matter the situation. So what happened was In 2018, I was diagnosed at the age of 41 with breast cancer. So not only was that news devastating, but two days later on December 12th of 2018, I lost my job. So therefore I lost my income, I lost healthcare, and I felt like I was about to lose my mind. So initially, my feelings were, this is how I'm going to die. This is going to kill my mother. I was scared. I was angry with God. I was scared for my family. I felt guilty 
that I brought this upon myself and thus bringing this upon my family. But in the midst of being angry with God, because y'all, can I keep it real? This is a safe space, right? I was so angry in that moment after getting that call that I had breast cancer. I said, I'm not going back to church. I'm not going back to church. I've been going to church all these years. I've been tithing. I've been, you know, giving my offering. I've been praying. I've been involved. I've been serving. I see why people don't go to church. What's the point? So it's like, I was thinking, God, you didn't hear my prayers. Okay. I get it. You know, I'm not a perfect person. I'm a sinner, but you didn't hear my mother prayers. You didn't hear the prayer warriors that I called on. You didn't hear anybody's prayers. It's like, I'm good on you, God. I'm good, good. But literally about an hour later, God spoke to me so clear, like probably the most clear I have ever heard his voice. And he told me, you are already healed. I'm just using you, but I'm tasking you with the responsibility to share your journey. But you, my daughter, you're already healed. When I tell y'all, I literally broke down in tears in the room by myself. And after that, I'm like, okay, that's all I needed to hear. I'm healed. Okay. But yet I was still scared. I was scared, but I knew the God that had performed miracles that I've seen him perform miracles, people that I've seen him heal. I'm like, he's the same God. If he did it for them, he can do it for me. And God is not a God that shall lie. He is not man. So if he told me that I'm healed, I have no choice but to believe him. Yet again, keeping it 100, I was still scared. I was because I didn't know what I was going to face. Now he told me that I was going to have to face some things. He told me that breast cancer was not going to be the end. Um, so I became a social media evangelist. I did exactly what God told me to do. And that was, I began sharing my story. And so as God told me, I was going to go through some knockdowns. Okay. Not knockouts, but some knockdowns. But even going through those knockdowns, God's voice was loud yet again, so clear. And he said to me, I know what you see, but what did I say? <laughs> woo woo. Let me, let me say that again. God said, I know what you see, but what did I say? And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what kept me fighting. My faith went into overdrive. My fight went into overdrive. And so this is how the birth of Fight or Fight Harder came. So just a few days before I began chemotherapy, um, which actually I began chemo two days after my 42nd birthday. 
Yeah. So yeah, happy birthday to me, right? So in a conversation with my sister-in-law, Lisa, after she received the news that I had breast cancer, she said to me, Trish, we need you here. We need you fighting. And I told her, I said, Lisa, look, I have two choices to fight or fight harder. Bam. <laughs> that was a God thing. That was nothing but God. I could I couldn't have come up with that. So not even thinking anything of the statement that I made to her. It was just my truth. It was just, you know, my mentality at that point of time. And so in going through chemotherapy, I saw a lot of women that had a lack of support um, because my support system was off the chain. Do you hear me? It's like I had my mama on my left side, my sister on my right side. I had friends, family, you know, even people that I didn't even know that well, people that I wasn't even that close with, people from high school that I don't even recall having one conversation with were reaching out to me, sending me flowers, sending me care packages. So again, my support system was off the chain. And so it, it saddened me, it broke my heart to see other women fighting alone. And so in a conversation with my sister one day on a way to treatment, um, I said to her, I said, you know, once I'm done with treatment, I wanna be able to come back, maybe volunteer, my time and sit with a lot of these women that don't have anyone, that don't have anyone to just sit there and pour into them or encourage them or share a laugh with. And so my sister said, oh yeah, you know, uh, maybe you can start like a foundation or something. So I was like, oh yeah, that would be cool, a nonprofit foundation. She said, she asked, she said, what would you call it? Bam. I said, fight or fight harder. Y'all, <laughs> that's God. That was truly a God thing. Again, I couldn't have come up with that myself. And so from that point, fight or fight harder was birth. And it propelled me now into fight or fight harder, the podcast. And so the podcast, as you guys know, I don't just talk about breast cancer. I talk about, you know, the F word, family, faith, and finances, um, because life happens to us all. It may not always be a life-threatening illness. It could be a job loss. It could be divorce, loss of a loved one. So I wanted to create another community platform to discuss how we navigate through this thing called life, right? So going back to my journey. So my journey continued. I'm fighting for my life. I'm fighting for a livelihood. I'm fighting to keep my house. Um, thus fighting in the courtroom while going through chemo. Yes, I had to make two or three court appearances um, because Wells Fargo, <laughs> they was on my back, y'all. They were on my back because again, I had lost my job. I lost my income. So everything had fallen behind. So thank God for my sister who had the mind to start a GoFundMe, which I was 
so against I was oh my god I was so opposed to that so and it, it's because sometimes GoFundMe they they get a bad name you know because people misuse um the platform they misuse the funds and I didn't want anyone to think that I was just playing the victim and really wasn't using the money for what it was intended for right but I swallowed my pride <laughs> um and it was actually my therapist at the time that had to shine a light on the situation. And he said to me, he said, Patricia, from knowing you, you've poured into so many people. It's reaping season now. It's time for you to reap what you've already sown. And uh, I was like, uh, he's right. He's right. And also in that God had to humble me. He had to humble me because I'm one of those people. I don't like to ask for help. I don't like for people to be in my business. I don't want people to know like what it is that I'm going through. You know, basically it's like my mother is the first person that I'm going to share it with. So it's like, look, mama is me, you and Jesus. Okay. Like don't nobody else need to know Jack. <laughs> but so again, in this fight, there were lessons that needed to be learned and I needed to learn the lesson of humbling myself and putting my pride aside. And so I did that and my God, it's like the blessings came pouring in in the first week. It's like over time between family, friends, my church, people that I don't even know, it's like funds were raised over $10,000. And that was in a matter of a couple of weeks, probably under a couple of weeks, I'm not sure. But so anyway, so I'm in the courtroom fighting and y'all, when I tell you God is so good, he is so amazing. Even my attorney was against me. My attorney said, you know what? I think you should just go ahead and give up the house because I don't see you coming out of this. I don't see any way that you're going to come out of this and you don't have an income. My sister looked at him and said, do you know God? And <laughs> he was so uncomfortable. He was so uncomfortable. He never did answer, but that's okay. He was soon going to see God. If he didn't know him, he was about to get to know Jesus real quick. Because the next time I walked into that courtroom, I walked in there with a check to hand over to him, to hand over to the judge, for the judge to hand over to Wells Fargo's attorney to keep my house, which I did. Come on, Jesus. He worked it out, y'all. He worked it out. And I can go through so many stories of how God worked things out for me. But I promise you, I'm trying not to keep y'all long. I'm trying not to, you know, I'm trying not to break out and shout because every time, whoo, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna calm down. But y'all, he worked it out. One thing that I didn't mention was that after losing my job, I was already on a leave of absence. So the department was eliminated during the time that I was on leave, but they couldn't completely let me go because I was still on a leave of absence. Um, so anyway, um, so I, I started getting um, an income from that disability. Um, because I was still on, again, a leave of absence. So God worked that thing out. 
But y'all, when I tell you through all of the fighting for my life, fighting through chemo and those side effects, fighting in the courtroom, exhausted at this point is an understatement. It's an understatement. I was so tired. But moving forward, the chemo took well. There was no indication of the disease. I'm healed, right? It's over, right? Wrong. Before moving into my mastectomy surgery, I had more tests to take. They spotted um, a spot on my liver, uh, which was actually found in the beginning stages, but it was still there. So there was concern around that. So I had to have a biopsy. The biopsy, thank you, Jesus, was benign. Woo, I'm healed now, right? <laughs> Wrong again. After my mastectomy, more tests had to be done. Now radiation is needed. Y'all, I cried so hard. I was so frustrated because I didn't even know that radiation was a part of the plan. I didn't know that it was on the table. I thought I would need radiation only if, you know, they still saw something on my breast after, you know, um, the um, after the mastectomy, but <laughs> they're like, yeah, you're going to need to have radiation five days a week. It's probably just going to be five minutes long. Y'all bringing me in for five minutes, five days out of the week, Monday through Friday. <sighs> but my sister said at that point, she said, this is the fight harder part. I rolled my eyes because I didn't want to hear it. You know, don't don't be using my saying against me. <laughs> but she was right. This was the fight harder part. You know, so we went to see, by we, I mean my mom, my sister, and I. We had an appointment to see um, the radiologist to um, see what he had to say. So, radiologist talks about my whole journey and looking at the test and looking at where I am now. He said, I see no need for radiation. Go ahead and enjoy your summer. When I tell you, we cried in there. My sister hit him on the arm. He was so confused. He's like, I mean, are y'all happy that this is a good thing, right? We was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Like we were... Oh my God, we, we just couldn't stop praising him. We could not stop praising him. So now <laughs> I'm healed. I'm healed, y'all, right? I mean, like, come on, I'm healed. Nah, not yet, boo-boo. For preventative measures, the infusion of a medicine called Herceptin had to continue every three weeks for at least another year. This was for extra measures to increase um, the rate of the breast cancer not coming back and spreading again. <sighs> I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated because again, I'm thinking that I'm, you know, I'm at the end. Like this is this is it. But I have to listen to my team. I trust my team. So every three weeks, I was going to Northwestern Hospital to get this infusion. So now 
we're in 2020, global pandemic hits. I'm scared, y'all. I'm afraid to even go to treatment due to my being immuno, excuse me, immunocompromised, right? So, but God is reminding me, I'm with you. I'm with, I told you from the very beginning in 2018 that I was going to be with you every step of the way. I didn't bring you this far to leave you now. Why would I leave you now? So I'm like, okay. So was going every three weeks to get my Herceptin um, treatment. So now in the middle of the pandemic, mid 2020, my oncology team is suggesting that I have surgery on my liver because this spot has still not gone away. It hasn't disappeared. So I asked them, I was like, so what, what is truly your suggestion? Is this life-threatening? Like, will I die if I don't have this? Because the liver, that's, that's an important organ of the body. So they said, no, it's not life-threatening, you know, because again, we don't believe that this has anything to do with the cancer because the um, biopsy was benign. So I said, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to just, <laughs> I'm going to lay low on the liver right now. I'm not going to have it because, you know, these numbers are increasing. People ain't wearing masks. You know, the last thing that I want to do is spend my time in a hospital. You know, all due respect to those that have gone through COVID um, or have had someone to go through COVID. You know, I just didn't want to put myself in that position after all that I had already been through. And so um, the end of 2020, I finally decided after talking to my team that I would have the surgery on February 18th of this year, you know, because my oncologist put something in my mind, which made a lot of sense. He said, you've gone through so much. You've conquered so much. What we don't want is to not address this. And now two or three years later down the road, we have this shoulda, woulda, coulda scenario. So let's get it out the way and let's just handle it. And also um, the other thing was that would be the only way that they would take me off of this infusion that I was going to get every three weeks. So I agreed to it. I understood exactly what he meant. Again, I trust my team. So I was nervous, you know, because that's a major surgery and there's a lot that can go wrong with this type of surgery. Um, but, you know, I, I went ahead and I moved forward with it February 18th again. So, yay, surgery went well. Y'all, but after this particular surgery, it hit different. It hit so different because, you know, with the liver, you know, I'm unable to, you know, really walk straight. You know, I was hunched over. Um, they said that healing would take about six weeks. Um, my mom was here with me um, during this time. But this particular surgery, after having two prior surgeries, this one hit a lot different. It hit different, y'all, because, you know, though I was healing, one thing that I learned is that 
healing is oftentimes more painful than the wound itself. You know, this go round, I felt more emotionally and mentally um, just like out of whack. I, I suffered more emotionally. I cried a lot. Um, part of it, I know, was attributed to the medicine that I was on, the pain meds, because I didn't want to stay on them a lot. So I started weaning myself off of it um, after a few days. And so, you know, with a lot of those medicines, you know, it can change your whole mood. It can change you, you know, mentally. I, I truly see how people become addicted to these meds. And so I didn't want that to happen. So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to tough this thing out, you know, and I, I, I want off of it. So again, you know, this healing process, it just, it just hit a lot different, you know, because not only was I healing, um, physically, I was also having to look for work because I haven't, worked since 2018, you know, rightfully so, because, you know, I was going through breast cancer. So I thought that finding a job would be a lot easier based on my background, but it's been rough. It has been rough. And I know a lot of that has to do with COVID. But so I guess it was really tough because not only am I having to heal, but I'm also facing, you know, financial issues. I'm also having to still look for a job. Although hearing my mom say, you know, you need to take a break from that lady. Look, it's just me. I can't afford to take a break, you know, from it. So anyway, getting back to this whole healing, um, healing process is tough. You know, healing requires faith. Faith requires action. Both require work, right? So during this healing time, I feel as though there was an attack on my mind. I started to replay everything that I had been through. The enemy tried to enter into my mind and say, ha, <laughs> you made it through all this. And now you're at the final step. And now you're about to die. You went through all of this. You went through all of this sharing. You went through all of this praising God during all of this. And now look at you. This is the end. This is what he was telling me. And I had to fight. I had to fight. I had to fight with my faith and say, devil, you are a liar. You are a liar. You are a loser. God is still with me. God is still using me. God ain't through with me yet. This is just the beginning. This is just another chapter in the book of my life. And so I had to be reminded that the warfare was greater at this point because I was at the end. The warfare was greater because I'm closer to the work that I still need to do. The warfare is greater because I'm closer to God's promise, his promise for my life. Woo, I know, 
take a deep breath right there y'all this i know i'm sorry y'all i should have warned you in the beginning that this was gonna be some heavy stuff <laughs> i'm sorry but moving forward to just today i was listening to a sermon by pastor john hannah of new life here in chicago and the title of the sermon was living out your faith and so he started to talk about the three things that happens when you live out your faith so y'all gonna want to write this down so grab a notepad and a pen real fast the first thing he says is faith allows you to conquer the fight faith allows you to conquer the fight number two faith allows you to receive results Faith allows you to receive results. Number three was faith allows you to finish. To finish, y'all, one of my favorite scriptures, Philippians 1, 6. I'm going to read it from the message version. It reads, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. Y'all, whatever he started in you, he's going to finish. What has God ever started that he didn't finish? If we just look at his record, if we look at his history, what did he ever promise anyone in the Bible that he didn't deliver on? I can't, I can't come up with one example, you know, so that just gives me confidence in knowing that God ain't done with me yet. He's not because if he was done, I would be dead. Okay. And that's the same for you. The mere fact that you're listening to this is confirmation that God is not through with you yet. There's still purpose left in you. There's still something in you that you have started or may not have started, but something that you got to finish, something that you've got to see through. Second thing, y'all, I wanted to talk about when I tell you this today has just been such confirmation. I was already planning on doing this podcast episode today um, because I had been procrastinating. Um, also, um, not only just procrastinating, one thing that I, I forgot to mention was after my um, surgery in February, um, I went to my oncologist and they let me know that treatment was finished. Done, done, done. They were like, <laughs> they're like, we are so happy that you got this part done. You're finished. You don't have to have any more treatment. I had a treatment that was planned on that day, scheduled on that day to get. I was like, so do you mean that I don't have to have treatment today? They were like, it's up to you. It's up to me. <laughs> but so me being me, I'm like, you know, well, 
you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to cancel. You know, it's, it's so close. I'm supposed to go and have treatment in 15 minutes. And I want to say bye to my nurses because my nurses, I love them so much. They have become my family. But, um, so they're like, okay, it's up to you. So I got back there and my nurse, she was like, um, no, I'm about to disconnect this needle from your port and you're done. Like, that's it. You don't have to sit here. You don't have to go through this again. This is the moment we've been waiting for. I was like, okay, you right, I'm right. I go ahead and unhook this. So, um, so, you know, we took pictures, you know, she added some tears, but I was so, I was so happy, y'all. I was just, I mean, happy really isn't the word. It was joy. It's like my soul, my soul was just full of joy, just wrapping my brain around the fact everything that I had been through for the last two years, you know, well, really three years, um, it was just like it was finally coming to a close and I could finally just exhale. My mother can't exhale. My sister can breathe again. It's, oh God, y'all, it's like the, I, I can't even find the words to describe that feeling that day. But so anyway, final step in the ending of my treatment, I had to get my port removed from my chest. That was the device that was um, placed in my chest in order to receive the chemo and um, the Herceptin infusion. So I'm super excited, super excited. Because although, you know, me and the port, you know, that, that's been my buddy, that's been my ride or die, you know? Um, but I also never, ever, ever, ever want to see that port again. Like ever, like if I never, ever had to see that port again, it would be too soon. <laughs> but so had that removed, I'm just, again, y'all just, my soul is screaming hallelujah. Like my soul is just full of joy. <sighs> Sigh. <laughs> A few days later, I had this terrible migraine. And this was just about two weeks ago. I had this terrible migraine um, where it's like, um, like I couldn't move and I don't get migraines. The last migraine that I remember ever having was probably in high school. So I had this, you know, debilitating pain. Like I just, I couldn't function. I could not, I couldn't move um, for days. And so now here comes that old slew footed devil talking about, oh, <laughs> cancer back. Now you got brain cancer with a side of COVID. So I'm like, oh my God, immediately contact my oncology team, telling them my side effects and my symptoms. They were like, oh, we don't, we don't believe it has anything to do with the cancer, but let us know how you feel tomorrow, you know, after taking, you know, some um, Excedrin for migraine. I said, okay. In the meantime, I reached out to my allergist as well because I now have allergy and sinus issues due to the chemo. So I'm, you know, I don't really know the difference in allergy, sinuses, and COVID. I don't. So I reached out to uh, my allergist. So they said, uh, 
you know, though these does sound like, you know, side effects of COVID, it may not be that either, but we don't believe it has anything to do with sinuses either. Okay, well, somebody got to tell me something. So I scheduled a COVID test. COVID test came back negative. Praise God. Um, but now, okay, somebody has to tell me something because I don't know what's going on because this pain will not go away. And so my oncology team scheduled for me to have a brain MRI. That is anxiety-inducing alone just to think about being in that machine and hearing those noises and you know somebody's looking at your brain you know and then again after everything that i've been through like god please can i get a break can i get a break um but fight or fight harder right so i went to have the mri everything came back normal everything is great great news great Yet, again, somebody has to tell me something. Like, I don't know what's going on. So my allergist gave me a Z-Pack. That didn't work. A few days later, I went in and um, he said, you know, it could be something going on with your sinuses. We're going to give you a steroid. <sighs> so I'm like, okay, um, whatever it takes. So had to take a steroid. It's now gotten better. So thank God. Thank God. Praise God. But y'all, I was just like, I was beside myself. Like, I'm I'm like, God, please, please, please don't let this be that, <laughs> you know. Um, but so anyway, moving forward, y'all, to another sermon. This is this is the last part of it. Thank you for sticking with me. So more confirmation. Not only did Pastor Hannah come and give confirmation on what I wanted to talk about, which was faith. But my church, Fellowship Chicago, um, shout out to the ship. Um, we had a guest preacher today by the name of Dr. Addison Kennedy. He talked about blessed brokenness. Blessed brokenness. So he read from Matthew chapter 14 um, through 17. So I'm going to read just a little bit of it. It's about, you know, we all know the familiar story of how Jesus feeds um, the 5,000. So beginning at, um, let's see if I should start at 14. Um, you know what? Actually, um, at 15. I'll start at Matthew 14, verse 15. It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Verse 17 says, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Jesus said, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls 
of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Y'all, so the point of that was and how it relates to blessed brokenness. I'm just going to drop these gems on y'all, how he dropped them on us. The first thing he said was Jesus wanted to use what the disciples thought wasn't good enough because they said we only, operative word only, have five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here. Bring it to me. Basically, what he's saying there is broken bread can feed people too. Ain't that, ain't that good? Broken bread can still feed people too. Also, the other gem he dropped was check the location of the bread. It was in Jesus' hands the whole time. Lastly, he took the bread, broke the bread, and used the bread. Last gem is, he says, you're closer to being used when you've been broken. <laughs> Mike, drop. Y'all, so broken bread, <laughs> bread being in this case with us, broken bread, the bread being people, a broken person can feed other people too. So he took the bread, Patricia, broke the bread, Patricia. He used the bread, Patricia. So he can still use you even when you're broken. He can still use you to bless people even when you're bleeding. He did it with me, y'all. I was wanting to give back to people even while I was broken. That wasn't me, that was God. That was him using me, right? So in, in, in my brokenness, in going through everything that I went through, he still made me better. I still came out stronger. I still came out wiser. What? And I, he did all of this. He did all of this while I was broken. You know, so now it's my time for restoration. Now it's my time for renewing. Now it's my time for me to get my oomph back. Because why? Because God still has work for me to do. Because he's still using me. There's still purpose for me. So lastly, y'all, I'm wrapping it up. So the key takeaways that I want you to get from this particular episode is keep walking in your purpose with purpose on purpose. The mere fact, again, that you're alive and listening is confirmation that you still have purpose. God needs to use you. He needs to use your story, your brokenness, because your story could be tied to someone's answer. In order to do that, he needs you to show up. He needs you to not only show up, but he needs to he needs you to show up with your faith. So as Pastor John Hanna said today, I'm about to finish some unfinished business. Right? You got 
to finish some unfinished business. So y'all, let's do this. I would be remiss if I did not mention the life and the legacy of our brother, the praying poet, dark man, the good deacon, Earl DMX Simmons. DMX is faith exemplified. Blessed brokenness. <laughs> X used his platform to share his story, his brokenness, his pain, his prayers that reached the world. I love X so much because through his transparency, he showed us his scars. He showed us how God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And as X said in his song, Slippin', borrowed from the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, to live is to suffer. To survive is to find some meaning in the suffering. That's exactly what X did. Thank you, X, for your love and your light. I hope you are leaving encouraged and ready to fight your next fight with faith. Thank you all so, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Holla back. Leave us your feedback here on, on our social media platforms. Until next time, remember, when life happens, we have only two choices, to fight or fight harder. Peace out, y'all.